Ingol Radio, the podcast, and Ingol Premium coming together with a big interview today talking about a prospect that uh, the Boston Bruins drafted a few years ago. It was a, uh, a prospect that was uh, on the uh, somewhat outer reaches of the scope of top prospects, but boy, has Jeremy Swayman ever blossomed, and he is leaving college, turning pro with a boatload of hardware in his hockey bag. We'll get into Jeremy Swayman, who is joined by his goalie coach, Alfie Michaud, who had a cup of coffee in the National Hockey League and uh, played professionally for a number of years, and it's a uh, double-team effort between uh, Michaud, Swayman, and Kevin Woodley, who's on the line right now, along with uh, David Hutchison. The co-founders of Ingol Magazine, Ingol Radio, the podcast, Ingol Premium. I mention all three of them because, Hutch, you little devil, you. A webinar coming up this weekend with Carrie Price. And it just so happens that it's on May 3rd at 1 o'clock. And if you put that together, you've got a 31. Was that part of your conscious decision-making that Carrie Price would be uh, on an Ingol podcast uh, webinar on May 3rd at one o'clock. Uh, yes, <laughs> that, that's who I am. I like things to be a little punny like that. And, uh, that is one o'clock Pacific. Uh, Carrie is born and raised in British Columbia. So that's in the, uh, BC time zone that we wanted to be so poetic as to make it 31. Um, we're co-hosting it with Eli Wilson goaltending, a longtime friend of the show and of the, uh, of the site. And, uh, and Eli does some work with Carrie every year. So he, uh, was able to, to bring Carrie on this with us. And uh, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to take some questions from people who sign up and I, and I will make the point that this is, uh, for Ingol members, you, ne- you need to be a member of Ingol premium and then go to the page and sign up there for the webinar. Unlike our previous ones where you could just drop in, you do need to register in advance for this one because, uh, we're quite certain that it'll be very popular and we'll uh, more than likely fill the only 500 seats that we have for this. Uh, you'll get the opportunity to submit some questions when you register or shortly afterwards so that we can take a number of those to carry. We'll do sort of a Q&A style interview with him that will uh, probably at some point, a bit of that will make its way onto this podcast. And uh, we're also thinking of trying uh, something we haven't done before, which is I'm going to call it Pro Reads Live where we'll show a few plays to carry and walk him through in the in the style of the Pro Read segments that we've had up on InGoal. Uh, 20 of those up now, guys, as of today. So super popular um, segment that we're doing. But I think it'll be fun for everybody on the webinar to see Kerry actually walk through that live. Maybe even because you can submit questions on the webinar, uh, might even be able to ask a few questions about what he's doing there as well. Get a little back and forth going. And I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah, and, and a goalie coach too with uh, Eli Wilson. So there's a there's a lot of resources uh, happening at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing that we have um, from Eli is he was kind enough to send along some video of carry in practice and then tying the exact same scenario in practice to some saves in the NHL. Uh, something that we think is really important, being able to tie game-like scenarios. So he's got the video that matches with those. Don't know if we'll roll that out this weekend or later on. Um, but nice opportunity to to do some good stuff there, eh, Woody? Yeah, I don't know why Darren's still surprised that it's Carey Price on May 3rd at 1 o'clock, 3-1-31. I mean, we had episode 31 of the In Goal Radio podcast with Carey Price, so you know Hutch is all about those synergies. 
But did, did like was carry price available Thursday and you put them off to Sunday just to make it uh, time out uh, properly with your numerology? No, no. But he was so accommodating. <laughs> um, we 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 just had to propose some times, and the first thing that came to mind was one o'clock on on Saturday because that matched up with previous webinars. And as soon as I looked at the calendar, I'm like, you know, Eli, let's make this Sunday. You okay with that? And and he was good with that. So um, that's outstanding. Can't help it. Okay. So we'll mention it again uh, after the uh, conversation with uh, Jeremy Swayman and Alfie Michaud. But uh, one more time, how do people get involved and how can they uh, submit a question that could be presented to Carrie Price. <laughs> okay. So I can give you a definitive answer on part one of your question and uh, probably on part two. Uh, as this podcast is uh, available, there is a registration link available at InGoal Premium. So you just have to be a member of InGoal. Head over to InGoalMag.com and, uh, and find that post. It will be right at the top and easy to find. And there'll be a link in there. You just click it and sign yourself up. Real simple. Probably in the sign up um, phase, we'll have a question there that if you'd like to post something to carry, you can put it in and we'll go through a selection of those. Uh, we're still a little new as this is an evolving technology. And if for some reason that's an issue, uh, we'll just have a little form right there below the, the, uh, the link okay. at, at angle. So we'll make it super simple one way or the other. Obviously with 500 people there, we can't promise everybody gets their question answered, but I'm sure we'll have some, some real similar ones. Won't we, Kevin? Yeah, just as we did with the webinar with Pete Fry last weekend, you'll have that ability because it is a webinar and not just a Zoom call. You'll have that ability. There'll be a Q&A button. You'll be able to click it and submit questions as we go. And we'll do our best to sort of filter that through what we expect will be a lot of questions. So try and group them a little bit because some of you will have the same question. And then we'll make sure we try and direct as many of those as possible to carry within the time frame we're looking at. And if you are not an InGoal Premium member, you go to InGoalMag.com and you can sign up for that and that'll open up uh, the avenue. A world of goaltending will be opened up okay. to you, Darren. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, think about it. If you get a chance to sit down with Carrie Price for an hour on a Sunday yeah. afternoon, would you pay six bucks? I think a lot of people would. And wait, there's your monthly membership. So uh, this is just a little bonus that we're able to offer on top of what we always planned on doing for our members. And, and what a great opportunity, I think. I would also encourage them, and not to go all salesy here, <laughs> but, but if you want to subscribe for the whole year rather than just a month, I'd, I'd highly recommend that. The, uh, the rate comes down. It's just $50 Canadian for the year, which is like two nickels in the US for, for an entire year. It's, it's less than a buck a week in Canada. It's like 67, 70 cents in the US. There are more than 100 articles up there already so far. We've been at this for five months, um, averaging you know 20 articles a month. We've got over, like Hutch said, 20 pro reads already. So weekly, we have an NHL goaltender going over video, reviewing saves, reviewing his reads, uh, tips, drills, uh, all kinds of different technique and, and different elements that pro goaltenders, NHL goaltenders are bringing, bringing this to us. So We've just tried to open up that world and the guys have been really good with us and the coaches and we're trying our best to make sure that our membership has access to something nobody else does in terms of the materials and um, they're at InGoal Premium. So I'd highly suggest uh, that the annual subscription is worth the price. Uh, less than a buck a week it's going to cost you. And hey, the bonus is you get a chance to be in a webinar with Carrie Price this week. Something something new in the Pro Reads too this week, Darren. You don't even know what's going up today. 
Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. We've got Jonathan Bernier actually sitting down with me for an entire shootout that he had with uh, with the Ottawa Senators, where he looks at not only what he's doing. Love it. Yeah, not only what he's doing, but what's happening at the other end of the ice. And we get into some sort of, actually, I misspoke myself in one of my questions at the end, and it turned into something kind of interesting when I asked him, is there a difference for you between uh, a shootout and a penalty shot in terms of how you approach it? And, uh, and he had very interesting answer to that as to how that changes things as well. So, um, really, well, really first blush, I would say that there's no difference, but there, there was, yeah, yeah, there was, I know I, I, I meant to ask, don't, don't give it away, but that's really interesting. I won't, I, I won't give it away, but I meant to ask difference between a shootout and a breakaway, because of course, with a breakaway, there's a little pressure and it changes the whole scenario. And I ended up asking about two, you would think are similar situations, but he actually had a, a, a reason they're different. See, proves there's no dumb questions. Just dumb questioners. And, and, the, uh, <laughs> hey, and sometimes the odd grumpy, <laughs> grumpy answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that comes through that. Uh, you guys remember 2017? Uh, the, uh, the spring, summer of 2017? Sure. No? Okay, Uh-oh. so uh, there's this, uh, this young player named Quinn Hughes. Mm, heard of him. Who was uh, selected by the Vancouver Canucks and has a, a great chance uh, of being the rookie of the year. He was uh, taken in the first round by the Vancouver Canucks and uh, a couple of rounds later in the fourth round, uh, the uh, the Boston Bruins picked up Jeremy Swayman out of the uh, USHL. And yes, he hadn't played a college hockey game yet. And Woody, you're looking at me all confused. You don't you don't trust my my research here, do you? I trust your research. I was waiting to see how you intersected the two. Well, I'm just saying there's there's Quinn Hughes. Uh, you're at the top. You're you're the superstar. You, everybody's wondering whether he's coming out of college or not, uh, going to turn pro. And three rounds later, Jeremy Swayman just flying onto the radar. Uh, didn't didn't have the greatest. Uh, year in the USHL, at least statistically, mm-hmm. uh, allowed 10 empty net goals. He's got to really work on that. And it looked like <laughs> he did in, uh, in, in, in Maine. But, uh, but Maine saw something in him. The Boston Bruins saw something in Jeremy Swayman. And they let him uh, just uh, evolve and uh, grow into himself as a goaltender. And three years later, he's uh, the best goalie in college hockey. He is uh, turning professional, and the Boston Bruins uh, really uh, look like they've hit something on this fourth-round pick. And his goalie coach at Maine is a former Vancouver Canuck. There's the tie-in with Quinn Hughes. And, uh, and when you loop it all back in, the, uh, the lower mainland with uh, Alfie Michaud, who played two games, and Jeremy Swayman came together, and it was a blossoming relationship that has now uh, hit the National Hockey League for Jeremy Swayman, who is turning pro with the Boston Bruins right in the middle of this pause. And he joined us along with Alfie Michaud in a conversation with Kevin Woodley on Ingle Radio, the podcast. This is our feature interview on this episode of the pod. So this is a new thing on the Ingle Radio podcast. We're going to have two guests at the same time. And in the world we live in today, that means a Zoom call with the three of us. Alfie Michaud, 
and Jeremy Swayman. Guys, like, let's just forget the intros. This has been a couple of weeks, especially for you, Jeremy. And Alfie, I'm guessing you as a proud coach. What's it been like the last couple of weeks? Mike Richter Award is a top goaltender in the NCAA, Hobie Baker finalists, um, and signing your first National Hockey League contract with the Boston Bruins. What's, what's this been like? And I guess part two is what, what, what has it been like having to do it all from home and over calls like this? It's been pretty incredible, Kevin. Uh, I know it's not ideal how it all worked out with the end of the season ending so abruptly, but you know I've tried to enjoy uh, every moment, and I've been so honored to be a part of uh, you know some of the awards I've been chosen for and been chosen to be you know in the running for. So again, I, I understand the magnitude of the, the awards I've gotten, but again, that doesn't happen with the people that have helped me along the way, especially my goalie coach here, Alfie Misho, and the the guys in front of me battling all year. What goes into the thought process of making that step to turning pro? I know it's not an easy one. I mean, and how much do you lean on Alfie's there probably a little biased saying, hey, okay, kid, come on back. Come on back. We could use it for another year. How uh, I'm guessing there has to be a lot of trust in that relationship um, when you guys talk about things like that. Either one of you, how can you can walk me through what that process is like and how much communication? Obviously, you and your family, Jeremy, but but with a guy like Alfie to lean on as someone who's been there and done that. Well, that's exactly why I took it. I knew that going into Maine, I had I had leaders that have been through pro ranks, and a big thing for me was was having that mentality of going into college and, and getting the experience I need in order to be a professional. But the greatest thing I learned, uh, especially my freshman year, was was focusing on the moment. And if you focus on the moment and, and do and do your job where you're at it at any given time, you're going to get to where you want to be in pro ranks. And being able to look up to uh, a goalie coach like Alfie who carries himself with such a professional attitude and everything he does, I couldn't have asked for much more. And I know that uh, the experience I gained the last few years is really going to help me in the, in the long run. So I don't know people can't see the smile Alfie's got going to see. I know Alfie. So I'm like, really this guy? No, I'm just kidding. Um, what, uh, what kind of advice, like, w- what do you tell him Alfie? Cause there's gotta be a little party that wants him back. I mean, such a big part of your team, but this is, this is part of coaching in the NCAA. You kind of, constantly having to turn guys over and i'm guessing that's a positive too right when you got guys heading off to the pros sure it's uh you know that's what we're here for we're a development league uh, to the national hockey league so uh for me um you know i look back at in my career i left after my junior year because i thought i was ready to play pro so uh i'd be a little bit of a hypocrite if i told him he, he should stay we we talked at length um you know, we, we thought he's, he's ready to move on to the next level. Um, you know, I just gave him the, essentially the pros and cons are, uh, more of the pros than anything. And just more than anything, just told him that when he makes this, this, this decision, it's on him. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about what Boston, uh, is saying, like he's got to do it for himself. And, uh, and, but we, we discussed and, his body of work uh, over the three years have shown the way he's been progressing that he's ready for another challenge and, uh, you know, kind of a proud papa moment. You're, you're excited for him and you, you want to see him uh, excel at the next level. Okay. So walk me through that development. What's what, in your mind, Jeremy, what are the biggest things? And, and you're speaking to an audience, a goaltender, so you can get specific. What's improved? What's been your focus over these three years? Like, what's allowed you to have this success and feel like you're ready for pro? What are some of the biggest keys to you? 
countless, you know, it's just every day seemed like a new learning, learning tool. But I mean, I, you really, you can't buy experience and you can't rush experience. And so what, uh, when I came into college, I had a lot of goals and aspirations for myself and of course the team too. And I was very, you know, motivated and, and driven, uh, from the get go. But I also know that that got me caught up in a few things and, and I wasn't being, you know, the best teammate I could be. I wasn't being, you know, the best leader I could be because I wanted to win so badly and, and win so badly for myself rather. And I just think that, you know, the big keys for me that I learned over the three years was hockey's a team game and you're not going to win without the guys in front of you and supporting the guys in front of you. And I think just taking the role of, of making sure that, you know, guys are going to battle for you because, you know, you're going to, you're going to battle for them just as hard. And, I, the big thing for me was just simplifying things, you know, and, and, uh, Alfie helped me so much with that, especially the off ice mentality stuff, because you got to step away from the rink and, and simplify things in your life too. So I think just focusing on, on where my two feet are at, at any given moment helped me the most and not making a game bigger than it is. And, and just keeping things simple helped me the most. Uh, I've heard you, you already said one shot at a time mentality earlier in the conversation. Like that's, that's something we hear from goaltenders at every level, right up to the NHL. It's usually the easiest thing to say. And one of the hardest things to do, no matter what level you're playing at. So Alfie, what advice did you give him that allowed him to, or how did you guys get to that together to that point where you could truly feel like you were embracing that philosophy and, and, and employing it on the ice? I think, uh, just hearing it every day, you know, he, he's a very focused individual. Uh, he set a lot of goals for himself. So, uh, my big thing with him was just making sure he's, he's where his feet are at every day. You know, he'd talk about maybe BU on Friday night or BC or, or UNH and how big those games are. And this was Monday and it was always coming back to what we got to do today. You know, in our world, we got to, you know, the good guys, I think, are really good at staying in the moment. And uh, so we really focused on in the moment. Today's skating day. Oh, we're going to work on skating. And today's about being the best you possibly can be skating. Uh, maybe a next day is minimal movement day. Just not moving a lot. Bringing out the poles and, uh, and the strings and, and just having them play in between his posts. and. Uh, and harping on it over and over and uh i'm sure he's uh he gets sick of my voice at times but it's it's times where i'd be watching the other goalie at the other end and you look down and you, you see him not doing what what we want to do or he's a little bit out of character or out of his focus that he's supposed to be working on and skate down and just bark something at him uh, that hopefully snaps him into what we're trying to accomplish that day and uh you know, he's a student of the game. He, uh, you know, he, he listens and, uh, which is nice. Our, our relationship, we have a great relationship, but a lot of times it's just a case of one or two words said and, uh, that just snap them back. But it, yeah, over time, it, a lot of repetition, no question. Jeremy, you talked about, um, being a team guy and maybe at times earlier in your career being individually focused or focused on your thing, like not in a bad way, but I'm guessing you meant focus on your own development or what you needed to do. Can you expand on that a little bit? I mean, because I guess that would be a big part of heading to college or with older players that when, when you first get there, um, 
What did you mean by that? Can you give me an example or an example that maybe some other kids might glom onto and see that, hey, I'm doing that too. Maybe I, maybe I need to rethink how I'm approaching things. Well, obviously with goalie, you know, it's a, it's a doggy dog mentality almost because you want to play so bad and there's only three guys on a team, especially at college. And, you know, you want to do everything you possibly can to get playing time. But I just learned that, you know, I can have that mentality, but make it in a positive way. And in order to push my other goalies, you know, you can make it a friendly competition instead of having, you know, bad relationships with the other goalies. And I know this year, especially at the best relationship, uh, with my two other goalie partners I've ever had on any team. And we push each other every day in the best way possible. And I think that's why we got results out of each other, uh, you know, especially come Friday, Saturday night. And, you know, having that goalie love and, and having each other's backs was so important for me. And I think Alpha did a great job with that. We, were, we had meetings right off the bat, uh, you know, making sure that we were on the same page with that thing. And so it was really cool to have a trio of goalies that were just uh, – looking out for each other this year and i think that's what helped uh, help me the most for sure well it's a question for both of you because we hear this at the nhl level a lot whenever you run into a situation where a team ends up with three goalies whether it's waivers or whatever um and, and pardon my ignorance if i don't know what the structure of an ncaa practice looks like in terms of are three guys always out there or do you rotate through it but how do you guys manage that because it seems to me at the nhl level there's been a lot of talk about practice goalies maybe being beneficial and yet the common denominator we always go back to is three doesn't go into two. So how do you guys make three go into two and make that work on a day-to-day basis at the NCAA level and find positives like that? Uh, you know, uh, what we do first and foremost, we, we have plenty of time in college hockey uh, through the week. So we always try to get our individual skills in the morning. Uh, so, you know, jumping on ice with just Jeremy for 45 minutes and giving him his goalie love and probably, uh, setting up for for our weekend competitor, so we're starting to put drills into place. So he's getting plenty of work through the day um, in the morning, and then come afternoon when we we're skating at two o'clock, um, he already got his real bulk of goalie work in, and uh, what we thought he needed uh, for the upcoming week. And this this might start on Monday and run right through until Thursday, where we get a little bit of work. Uh, goalie specific or drill specific whether it's to play against the power play or, or boston college for instance a great rush hockey team so simulating that kind of stuff and then uh, come practice time it's about him uh, getting reps but at the same time managing his workload uh, sometimes we just look that that tuesday morning this is his workload those 45 minutes are his real hard work and then practice time it's not that he's going through the motions but he's picking his spots when to uh, when to get at it, and then obviously Matt Thiessen and Mundinger are getting their work, and they just rotate on a carousel, much like uh, you know maybe I would have did as a peewee or a, or a midget, and you're stuck in those three man rotations early in the season. Uh, but but there's times you you chase him in the net because it I felt it was an important drill that he needed. So there'd be times I'd skate on like get in there. Go get your work as uh, he was our number one guy. So obviously uh, you want him to get the bulk of the work and, and that. But uh, and, and our group knew um, they kind of we talked about it. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how we managed it. So what, what, what's his next step like, Jeremy? This is tough being at you're in you're back home in Alaska right now. Um, you've signed a pro contract and yet 
all of us are in this this giant pause. What have been the conversations like with the Bruins? Have they got you? Are they are they asking you to do anything in particular? How do you try and stay sharp? I've talked to a number of guys over these past couple of weeks about some of the things they can try and do to to stay sharp and even get better when they can't actually get on the ice. Are there anything you've found, anything that they've suggested that you think you might incorporate here in the next little while? Or is it just you're still trying to recover from an NC, you know busiest goaltender in the NCAA with uh, close to 1,100 saves this year? Yeah, well, no, they've been hands-on with everything. And, of course, I have the main staff to lean on to still. And, um, you know, I've been doing everything I can possibly to keep my body in shape and prepare for my first pro season. Uh, obviously not skating is a challenge, but for that instant, everyone in the world's not skating too. So we're all on the same page kind of, and that's never happened before. And so I know Alf and I have talked about this, but you know, this is truly the only time ever that, you know, everyone's on the same page and we're all going to be, you know, there's no, there's no really advantages or disadvantages on where you are. So I'm going to do everything I can to take advantage of this opportunity and uh, be absolutely prepared to come into to camp this summer and, and get to work. So what I'm doing is I'm getting outside. I'm fortunate to be up in Alaska. Um, and there's plenty of mountains. So I'm doing a, keeping it in my routine is a mountain a day and a workout. So it's pretty good, but you know, it's good to get out of the house. Uh, as far as off ice training, uh, I just ordered a, uh, pitching machine that I used at Maine actually. And that works on my hand. eye. got these little foam balls, ping pong size balls. Okay, I'm going to need more details here because we <laughs> we actually just we just did a story or I did for NHL.com and we're following it up at Ingle because we talked to Jonathan Bernier and and uh, Montreal Canadiens uh, AHL goalie coach Marco Marciano has preached the tennis balls for years and specific mechanics and catching and a lot of really cool details. Had Jake Allen on the line um, a couple weeks ago and he said the same thing. So is this the skills? Is this the little skills pitching machine yep. with the mini yep. foam balls that does the curves? Yep. yep. Okay. Okay. So I want to know how this works as a goaltender because our, our co-host here, David Hutchison, who's not in on this interview, as soon as we started talking about this last night, he ordered one on Amazon for his son. <laughs> so you guys walk me through how this can make you a better goaltender and how you guys use it. Jeremy, now in Alaska and and when you're down in, in, in Maine, Alfie, but we'll start with you, Jeremy. Well, I can't take the credit for finding it. Alf did find it. And, uh, you know, I was kind of sitting in the locker room. He didn't say much about it. And he just said, yeah, just go use it. And I'll be honest, I didn't use it as much as I did this year, uh, my sophomore year. And obviously, you know, we could tell that there was a big difference. You know, I was definitely, I was a lot of bounce outs my sophomore year and I wasn't seeing the puck in all the way. And when I started using this, Tease and I would, would use it probably every day uh, when our schedules worked. And it just, he'd move it around and so I can get glove and blocker going. And uh, we had fun with it. Not, not only was it great bonding, but it was good, uh, good work. And, you know, just seeing the, because those things are kind of, you know, randomized, right? You don't, you don't really know where the, the ball's going and some come fast and some come slow. So they so, don't cut, they don't, it's like a puck, those old puck shooting machines, eh, Alfie? They don't come out consistent. No, they're, they, they try to come out, but sometimes they get jammed. So now you're waiting and you're, uh, you're kind of woe. And, uh, and those ones, I usually point right at him and, uh, tell him to absorb it with his stomach, uh, drop the hips and, uh, you know, eat pucks that way. But, uh, it, it's just a fun way, uh, to get together. I know, uh, Sway and I, we've, we've had challenges and, uh, and done it. And the, the big thing, honestly, really is, is trying to just 
him focusing on getting his eyes, his nose right on his hands, you know, and, and uh, just having soft hands. You know, I, I grew up in the, in the eighties and baseball and other sports were, were really prevalent. And uh, I was a big baseball guy. And, and uh, I just think, you know, the hands are, are different um, back then than they are now. Kids tend to go at pucks a little more opposed to maybe the, uh, the old school guy likes to receive things and, and a lot more wrist flexion. So we really worked hard on that of just, just absorbing everything. And uh, it's a great machine. I, I saw it, uh, I was up in New Brunswick. Actually, and the first time I saw it was at uh, Jake's uh, goalie camp in the summer and uh so i get up to fredericton every summer and it was there um their goalie coach at und had it with the kids and uh yeah and then i brought it home um you know i picked one up right then and there because it's a lot easier to get that kind of stuff and in canada that seems hockey specific so i grabbed one and brought it home and my girls used it for softball uh, and then obviously brought it to the ring the goalies use it for their hands and some of the some of our players have used it uh, to work on tipping tipping pucks um you know so it's just a fun thing and and like jeremy said a lot of it you're just bonding you're you're you know he was with Tease a lot doing it and uh, i know him and i uh done it where i've gone and shot balls at him and he's thrown me uh in the ringer and had to face some shots too so so it sounds though, Jeremy, like you felt the difference. And, and it's interesting, Alfie, you talk about receiving pucks. We've had this conversation in, in recent months. You know, Dusty Emu, a guy who talks a lot about absorbing pucks and receiving pucks versus the sort of new mentality of kind of almost, you know, moving towards them and, and almost, I don't want to say blocky because that's not the intent, but it can get, a, you know, there's a little less catching of pucks. And um emu's talked about it we had billy ranford on a call recently where he talked about it the same thing so jeremy sounded like you noticed a difference with this i definitely did yeah it's just again just that receiving i used to fight pucks off a lot and that's just like not necessary you know just seeing the puck all the way in and and just tracking really helped me okay so last one on i promise this will be the last one on the ball machine but everybody is looking for ways that they can stay sharp when they can't get on the ice and like I said, we're going to follow this up because it seems like a legit one. How'd you set it up? Because I've seen on some of the videos with regards to this thing, like if you put that thing close to you, she's trucking close to 100 miles an hour relative speed. Like, are you going across the room? Or are you, or to depend how badly you wanted to get Alfie back? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Alfie, you're probably 18, 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. And, on her and I, I do the shooting, I hold the tube and. I switch so he can see that I'm switching angles uh, or switching to his blocker side or glove side. And, and we even change heights, right? Sometimes where he's working on catching balls uh, four to six inches off the ground or, or catching one that's going to go under the bar. So he's, you know, but he can see that. But I, yeah, we just played around with it. You got to play with the distance to make it kind of feel realistic. Because, yeah, like you said, if we're eight feet apart. Yeah, there's no chance, you know. Well, it's, well, just, it uh, says it's 100 miles an hour at 18 feet, so it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we just figured it out until we got the distance and then uh, that that we felt was right and felt like a puck coming off the stick from probably inside the uh, the tops of the circles. And then, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look here. 
trying to weigh out a puck here. So yeah, you're probably looking at yeah, probably 20 feet, 20, 22 feet. Yeah, 90 to 100 miles an hour. That's uh, That sounds like a pretty good speed, at least according to their charts. I think that I'm going to need to go invest in this piece of equipment before we launch this podcast, you know, just to get a head start, because I have a hunch between Bernier and you guys and Jake Allen and the stuff we put together, we may suddenly see a run on these uh, skills baseball uh, shooting machines for goalies in the next few weeks. All three of our goalies coming back next year, I, I already started the uh, the text messaging with, with the group of three for next season, and all three have ordered it, and uh, you know they're all going to play around with it. Like you said, it's, uh, actually, gonna, it's a lot of fun. We're going to create a scarcity of those things. People won't be able to find them within a couple of weeks. So, hey, that was, that was, I love that. That's a great tip. Um, anything else that you guys focus on? Like you said, Jeremy, so much over three years. Uh, in terms of fundamentals, Alpha, you talked to, you know, you said it changed every day, skating days. Uh, I, I can picture those posts out in front of Jeremy. I'm sure he loved those too, especially when the shooters would bring it off those posts out in front of you, sort of identifying the net in front of you instead of the net behind you. Um, what, you know, are there, there's some that jump out as, as bigger strides for you, Jeremy, than others in terms of something that, you know, turned a light bulb on that you hadn't maybe thought of before? Is it just always a gradual arc of, of improvement? I think it's definitely been a good arc of improvement each year. Um, you know, what I learned mostly was that, you know, off ice work is just as important as on ice work and recovery is a big aspect in that. Um, you know, I was fortunate to get a good workload and, uh, you know, a lot of work these last three years and, and recovery was one of the most important things in order to play just as well as you did Friday night on Saturday night. And I was fortunate to have a lot of great veterans, uh, throughout my freshman, sophomore and now junior year. And I saw what it was like. I saw what it took to, you know, to, to recover and what you had to do. And of course, my trainer, Matt Murray, did a great job with that. Um, and so just the aspects of that, you know, making sure I'm doing what I need to do for my body to be prepared, you know, for, for a back-to-back weekend. And I think that was a big stride uh, I took this year for sure. Can you guys walk us through, obviously got the hands up, some specifics there too, in terms of what, you know, we, we hear recovery. Are we talking foam rolling or, you know, what, what are your keys to making sure you're recovered one night to the next? Well, I think a big thing uh, is we train with heart rate monitors. Um, we've got the catapult system. So for, I know for me and working with our strength coach, Matt Murray, uh, we can see Jeremy's training load every single day uh, for the last three years. That includes all the games. So we, we have numbers that we want to hit daily on him. So I can go in, the data uh, gets brought up to, to the office, and every guy uses that. But there's days where, you know, Monday, Tuesday, maybe uh, we worked him a little too hard. So I can look at his numbers and talk to Matt and say, what do you think? And he's like, you know, maybe no goalie session today. You know, take it, take it out. and. Uh, Maybe no lifting for him. Maybe it's just a foam rolling and a, a soft tissue day. And uh, just for him to recover that extra day. And that data has been, you know, honestly, I didn't believe in it when I first started it. Um, but it's, it's been vital for our hockey club. I know it's been great for me. I'm getting to the point where I can hit a number. If, if Matt says training load, uh, you know, use expend 15% today, it's like, okay, I'm pretty bang on on a, 30, 35 minute goalie work session where we're hitting those numbers that can carry on to the evening practice. Um, I, I think that's been huge. And 
And then for Jeremy, um, I think just the, we really dove into box control this year and, and the pulls and uh, just less extension. Uh, he has a great compete level. He's a great athlete, but uh, there's at times he really extended on pucks. And, uh, you know, my whole thing is whatever gets away from the midline, it always has to come back, you know, and, and if your feet, your skates leave the ice, guess what? They got to come back to the ice before you can go anywhere. So we really focused hard on those little details of making sure the skates are really close to the ice. Uh, when he's extending his knee outside his hip, like it, if he's doing it, it's got to be for a reason, you know, and, and not just do it to look, look flashy. And, uh, you know, there's many times I, I, we, we have a great relationship where I chirp him. Uh, I'll chirp him and practice and say, listen, is that for the girl in section 17 up there? You know, the big windmill glove save, because it's, to me, it's, uh, you know, pointless. It's ra- It's wasted energy and it's putting them out of position, uh, make a second save if he needs to. So we're, you know, I was a minimalist when I was a player because you're 5'10", you got to really think it and keep everything tight because, uh, like I said, uh, being a smaller goalie, you're always extending, it feels. And these big guys, if you can get them where they're not extending and they can keep everything nice and tight, it's just to an advantage for them, for sure. What about for you, Jeremy, that process of I've seen Alfie at camps uh, in the summers working with some of these goalie coaches that that you know bring out the bars, the two posts in front of you, that smaller net and the concept and you know, it's been easy for me to see it work um, with these other coaches, but the whole concept that if you're in position, that puck's probably coming at you. How, what was that process of getting to the point where you trust that? Well, just like, you know, Alex said, I was a student of the game. He is too. And he constantly goes out and, and reaches out to coaches. So he's learning just as much as I am every day. And so it's really fun to come to the rink and, you know, he has something new to tell me. Uh, but as far as that goes, I think the biggest thing was just simplifying for me. You know, he knew my strengths uh, with skating, my skating ability, and, you know, he helped me work and fine-tune that. And truthfully, I, I did get extended a lot, and, you know, I, w- I would end up, I'd do a big, big butterfly from, you know, one dot to the other, butterfly slide, and then I'd end up outside the post when it just really wasn't necessary because, you know, I do have a big frame, and I know that I can cover, you know, net without doing extremely, you know, big acrobatic saves and acrobatic movements. So basically just finding my posts and understanding, especially those, those external posts in the practice helped me so much. So I could see, you know, I put my glove, you know, just an inch outside of my body. It's really, it's covering the angle and just, and just understanding the angles of where pucks were coming from helped me so much. And it got to a point where I could literally just visualize it. And I knew that if a puck passed a certain part uh, of the ice coming down, you know, with neutral zone, uh, I knew we were to be on angle. And I didn't have to be outside my crease necessarily. I could just be, you know, heels on the top of the crease or toes on the top of the crease and still have my depth that I needed in order to to cover most of the net. And so that helped me a lot. And just visualizing, you know, every day helped me a lot too. So I was happy with that. Now, do you, were you a backwards flow guy before that? Like, were you a guy that would take ice and give it up in, in the face of a rush like that versus now just sort of staying on angle? And I and have no idea of your background. So I'm just guessing based on your description, that might be the case. Yeah, I was very aggressive, you know, and I knew I could be because I I thought I was athletic enough to, in order in order to to be aggressive and then you know, say two on one I would be able to back up and and possibly get to that you know far slide. But then you're playing a BC who can you know sauce a puck and make a play, 
and you know you'd, you'd have an empty net and so I did uh, I started to gain a lot of trust from my defense especially uh, as the years went on and I had a great relationship with that uh, you know we'd have defensive meetings and I would be a part of them and I think that helped a ton you know with my trust and not having to play as aggressive and just really focusing on the shot I needed to save uh, and letting my defense do his job and that took a lot of stress off me especially uh, but as far as you know just understanding that I didn't have to have the extreme you know push out and then having to see cut you know three four times before I had to go to the back post uh, that helped me a ton because I could because big thing I learned is that you can't make a save when you're moving as good as you can with when you're set and being set for pucks helped me tremendously this year, especially just knowing that, you know, if you're going to go from a goal line out, you know, below the goal line out shot, you're going to have to set your feet and it doesn't mean you have to get depth at the top of your crease every time to do that. Especially when you're six, three, Alfie didn't have that. He didn't have that luxury. No, no, not at all. No, but he, he worked hard at that because he was, uh, you know, there was times he'd get locked up, he'd get out there, and he worked hard on, you know, I think it's great to have flow, but then to, uh, you know, there's very minimal flow too. There's there's different types, of course, and uh, I think every goal is different. You know, I always said, and I tell Jeremy this, like when I coach all three of our goalies, we have uh, Thiessen, 6'2", Sway is 6'3", and Steven Mundinger is 6'8". So, um, three different goalies, three different abilities, three different sizes. And my big thing is, uh, the big up, the big guy upstairs made each and every one of us different. So like I coach every guy different, you know, sways flows different than what Matt Thiessen's going to be and, and what Mundinger was. And I think where Jeremy got really good is just having, uh, having good flow to his game on. He's very minimal. He's, he's probably traveling backwards, but it's, it's a little flick of the, the big toe is what we say. And uh, so he's got just a little bit, um, but Matt Thiessen might, you know, he might have a bigger C cut and have more flow in his game. You know, I think it's a, a thing you just got to keep working on. And there's times in, in the game, um, Sway was great because he wanted input even in a game, which doesn't come around very much because I know as a goalie, I didn't want anybody to talk to me outside of the hockey piece, but to have a goalie coach come down and want to talk goalie with me in the middle of the game, that for me, that wouldn't have worked. But, but with Sway, you know, um, I'm on the bench obviously. And he'd look at me and give me the nod and I'd go down and be like, Hey, you know, these guys are, they're quick tonight. And I just think you're just a smidge it off. Maybe, maybe drop it back six inches, you know, um, on your depth just to catch up and, uh, and get that confidence. And then maybe he can creep back out on his depth again. Um, and there's days that, uh, you don't have always have your a game. So you got to figure it out mentally. And that's something I probably learned over all the years I played and probably never figured it out until I was 32, 33. But, uh, I think it's my job to help these young guys and accelerate the process. And I know that's something, we talked about a lot. And like I said, in game, Sway and I are into it much like a defenseman, a defenseman coach is coaching his D. Uh, during TV timeouts, I'm usually down at the end with him and I'll let him do his little ritual and his, his thing. But then, then we'll talk about something, whether on the PP, uh, something he's going to see right away, 
or a little reminder or or something as simple as just dropping his depth back just a little bit until he uh until he catches up because there's there's games you you get in there and it's fast as much as you're prepared it seems fast and i remember uh that was one thing i think it was minnesota duluth last year's way first game of the year you know they they came at us hard first period and uh, he just come and looked at me like eyes wide and and i said just drop it back six inches and it's going to slow down for you and he did he dropped it back in his blue paint and, and then he just come back and he looks at me and he gives me the you're a genius kind of deal and i was like no that's just it's my job to recognize those things and uh, we talk about it all the time like i said it definitely helps being there and having those experiences and feeling those things because then i can hopefully uh get into his goalie mind a bit and, and help settle things down. Jeremy, you always, have you always solicited uh, advice during a game? Like, is that something you've always been comfortable with? Absolutely. You know, I think that the more information you can get from someone else is, it's only a gift. It's kind of like, you know, I would want every, every aspect. I, I love, I love hearing, you know, guys on the bench, you know, saying, Hey, like watch back door. He's been creeping. He's been cheating on me. And then having Alf, who's been scouting him all week and, and, you know, he's been watching video every day and he knows what's going to happen. And of course I do too. We go over video throughout the week, but I'm just saying, you know, it's good to have a, a pair of eyes on the bench that sees the rush from a different angle. And, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's a no brainer in my opinion to get different opinions during the game, because, you know, you, you could see a lot in the goalie uh, in the goal crease, but you don't see everything all the time. And, and, you know, just getting different perspectives, uh, even from my goalie partner, you know, Mundinger, I'd always go to him and have my water and he'd say, hey, you know, they're, they're attacking the net. They're going to brush you a little bit to so just be on your toes and make sure you're seeing the puck. So I thought, you know, I've, I've been very vocal. You know, I, I don't have a problem with with talking, you know, in between whistles. I think it just keeps me in the game. And, and that's a big thing I've worked on, too, is just being vocal and, and making sure that I'm doing things in order, even if it's a slow game, that helps a lot you know, just skating in the corners and, you know, making eye contact with people and making sure that, you know, I'm focused on the game. But uh, that's helped me a lot. And, uh, you know, I definitely think that, you know, sharing sharing things like that throughout the game uh, is, is important. It sounds like it helps you stay engaged. It's usually a fine line for goalies, Alfie, too, between, you know, important information and what guys maybe would take that information and start overthinking. So I guess you got to approach it differently with each guy. Cause there are probably, I can think of some pro goalies I know over the years that they would have locked themselves up mentally overthinking that little piece of advice between periods, let alone, you know, during the game. Yeah. For me, uh, I was one of those goalies that wouldn't have wanted any information. You know, I, yeah, I was the, uh, you know, in my own little world but it's something Jeremy and I talked about obviously uh I asked him before we start doing this it's do you want this stuff and he was yes and you can just you see how he is like he's a guy that he's skating down the bench in between uh timeouts chit-chatting with guys um I've seen if you get onto his Twitter or Instagram there's actual pictures of him like winking at the camera so, and I've seen him do selfies, uh, by the bench with kids. So he's, he's into it. Um, he loves it. He's one of those guys that can, you know, leave the game for those split seconds, but then it being able to come back in and refocus and, 
and go perform. And uh, I think that takes a special cat to do that. Cause like I said, I was, I was the guy that outside of looking up at the clock, um, I wasn't looking much above the dasher. I went for my skates and, uh, and stuff like that, but I wasn't looking in the crowd. I wasn't, you know, it was, it was on puck and in playing hockey, but he's a guy that he found a way to enjoy it. Uh, he's got a little bit of Marty Berder and him, you know, as far as just, just loving the game of hockey and being able to separate in between whistles to kind of enjoy the moment. And, uh, I think that's great. You know, if you can do that and it doesn't affect your performance, uh, which it hasn't with him. I think that's great. I wish I could have did it. Believe me, you know, I was absolutely, absolutely exhausted after a hockey game because of what I put into it and the focus that it kind of took to stay into it for those three thousand six hundred seconds plus. And uh, I feel like he's refreshed after a game because he's he's nice and relaxed and. Uh, he just had the time of his life playing hockey, and uh, I think it's great. You know, that's going to serve him well, believe me, uh, going forward. Okay, now it sounds like he's instantly going to be one of our you know favorite goaltenders as a pro. So I'm liking all this stuff, especially because that means he's relaxed enough to talk on game days like Marty was. Um, at least I'm guessing that. Might hold you to that at some point down the road here, Jeremy. Um, but I did hear at some point in there when you said he came to the bench to talk to you, you, you let him do his little ritual. So that leads yeah. me to the question. Do we have some rituals, Jeremy? Do we have some, or do we, are we still have some fun with some, we won't call them superstitions, but little things we got to do in between whistles and periods and, and, and getting ready to play. Where do you find, where do you, give me a few and are they, how do you find that line between habits and superstitions? Well, just like Alfie said, you know, I could turn it off and then turn it right back on again. And that's something I've had to work at. You know, it's not easy to do because I'd get so puck focused and and so narrowed down. I think that's when I really had problems focusing was when I tried to focus so hard and I tried to to make the game, you know, harder than it really is and, and didn't have fun with it because at the end of the day, it's a hockey game. You know, it's 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 fun to be out there. It's fun to be under the lights. And that's what I enjoy. And, you know, it's a it's an entertainment business. So, you know, I want to be a part of it just as much as the fans and, you know, it's fun. I, I have fun doing it, but as far as my ritual goes, I do, I do follow a, you know, something it's, it's just a routine that works for me. Um, but what I do, I do it every time I come to the bench, go to, you know, Mundinger's side and, you know, he'll give me a towel, do the towel face swap, look around, get some water when, I do a little squirt. I think I learned it from Holpe back in the day. You know, I squirt the water bottle. I just watch one droplet fall down. And that kind of refocuses me, you know, just simple things like that. And uh, then after that, put my mask down, pat my hands. I get pretty sweaty hands. So I just pat, pat them down, dry them off, and then go down the bench and just say, hey, keep it going, boys. And then go pat Teeson on the head and then go right back to the net and, uh, you know, game on again it's really it's not hard for me to do that because it's just something i enjoy um but yeah you know that's that's what works for me and then you know going to the bench helps a lot too because you're alone down there uh you know especially in those slow games i think a slow game where you're getting five eight shots a period is harder than a game you're getting you know 15 to 17 shots a period so you know just not getting in my own head and and making sure that i'm vocal and still talking and, and i'm in tune with the game helps me a lot Sounds like pretty good advice because, uh, you know, I, you're exactly right. We hear it right up to the NHL level to this day. 
give me a game where I've got 35, not the game where I have 21. And it is hard for guys to find that focus. Sounds like you've found a nice balance. Was that just an evolution? You arrived at that over time? Or was anybody you worked with from a sports psychology standpoint that helped you sort of, or or even Alfie as a, as a goalie coach, helped you sort of get to that? Well, yeah, I can't take credit for, you know, all the things, you know, it's just it's people I've surrounded me by. And Alfie's been the biggest, you know, as, asset for me in that. And we had Doc Wally this year, Wally Bizdell. He was a great sports psychologist. I've actually had him since my freshman year. And, uh, you know, he took the time to, to really create a good relationship with me. And, you know, I think, again, I soak up everything like a sponge. I'm not going to, you know, have a judgment and say, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm going to get a, give everything a chance. And, and I think, uh, you know, having that mentality of opening, opening up your, your knowledge to different things helped a lot. And, you know, I, I now know I have a good understanding. Not, I haven't perfected it by any means. I still have a lot to, a lot to learn. Uh, but now I know certain things that what that work for me and the mental aspect of things is, is crucial. And the biggest thing Alfie's, that stuck with me the most is just making things simple. We have a saying it's, it's not rocket science. And, uh, I actually have that on my helmet for next year. I'm going to put it on my helmet. And, uh, you know, it's just a simple thing like that, that it's such a true statement and it just it doesn't seem like it means a lot, but it really is. It's, it's a game and, you know, you love doing it and it's not, not hard when, you know, you're having fun doing it. So I think that's, that's work for me in the mental aspect of things and just not making things bigger than they are. Okay. So I got this, I feel like we got to sort of start to put a bow on this because I've taken up way too much of your time. Alf, Alfie's kids are going to kill him for taking up the internet for the whole day here and 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 kicking them off to stay alive with us. I want to know where this relationship began because I'd like I'd love to get a glimpse. Alfie, I've seen you during your recruiting trips. Uh, whenever you get out to the West Coast, and every time we get a chance to even catch up while we're watching it or while you're watching a game, and I'm bending your ear, it's always enjoyable. I want to get a little glimpse into life of recruiting and how you ended up meeting Jeremy, Jeremy, how you built the relationship that, you know, led to the trust that had him choose Maine. Um, what, you know, what that process is like from both of you guys. I don't know which one he wants to start, but how did this, how did you guys come together? How did, how did this relationship begin building? Just like this, um, came over a, a call like this it wasn't zoom. It was Skype. Um, I was the volunteer goalie coach then. Um, so in the recruiting process, uh, obviously watched video on him and different things. But uh, I was traveling, doing my. Uh, we've talked, uh, Woody, that I was doing my uh, native stuff, uh, doing camps, and uh, I don't know if I was in Boston or one of the airports. And Jeremy called me because he was in on his physical recruiting trip, and I was out doing my stuff, my goalie school stuff, and. Uh, I couldn't get back in time to, uh, I guess, to uh, to see him during his his official trip. So uh, we did a Skype call and probably talked thirty minutes on goalies and uh, why I thought Maine would be a good fit. And I think we just kind of hit it off there. And then uh, wasn't until he got in for Summer Bridge. So all our freshmen come in uh, beginning of August for that whole month. Uh, just the freshman and that's where the relationship really built uh because he was the only uh freshman goalie um you know so we we definitely spent a lot of time uh talking per ncaa rules i can't work with him uh during that time but we just it's probably great because we just spend time in the office and 
and talking and, uh, you know, going for a cup of coffee and just, it's all about, uh, personal relationships with these kids and, uh, you know, being genuine and being me and, uh, you know, and hopefully, uh, he likes what I'm, what I'm going to bring to the table and everything we do as a staff. And I'm sure it's across the board, uh, for NCA and CHL, everything we do is for these kids. And we just want them to know that. And, uh, you know, I think that's how we built it. What about you, Jeremy? You went from, I mean, you're, you're playing hockey up in Alaska to USHL to Maine. Like, walk me through that process and what stage this would be, because I'm trying to do the math on, you know, Alfie would have been the assistant in 1617. I'm looking at uh, hockey DBs and trying to put it all together. But like for you to leave home to go to the USHL and then to end up at Maine, like, are there any lessons there that you could share? Because we got a lot of listeners, whether it's parents of go- of young goalies that are facing some of these decisions, or the goalies themselves uh, on on the In Goal Radio podcast that that want to hear from guys that went through the experience. So, uh, what were the what were the tough points? What led you to Maine? How tough was it to leave home? A lot of questions all in one. I'm not very good at my job, so I'm just going to throw them all at you at once. Oh, Kev, you're great. Uh, I actually had a pretty crazy path. You know, I, I, we don't have to get into that too too deep right now, but. Uh, I actually went to Colorado Springs my junior year of high school. So I was away, I was away from home my junior year and that wasn't planned. Uh, I actually got cut from the Brown Bears in the North American League. And after I tendered that my U16 year, so it was a kind of like a scramble to find a team uh, for my U18 year because I was completely planning on being in junior hockey my junior year of high school. And so that was like, everything kind of came to a crazy halt, uh, you know, on my hockey career and I didn't know where to play. So I ended up getting connected with a team in Colorado Springs, uh, with a coach called Greg Vanover, uh, who truly changed my life. He's right up there with Alfie. So that's, uh, that's saying a lot, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, uh, anyway, after that year, I ended up making the USHL and Sioux Falls. And so I already had a year under my belt of living away from home. So I had the had it all down. Granted, I was blessed with an incredible billet family and, and the situation was incredible. Uh, and so going to play my first year of juniors as a senior in high school was even better because I had a great, you know, Sioux Falls, by far one of the greatest USHL programs with the amazing arena, uh, amazing fans and everything. So I was blessed with that opportunity and another great billet family there. And, you know, I was in high school still, so I was even more embraced with the community. And, uh, you know, we had a good high school group there. So USHL was a great experience for me. You know, even though we had a, we didn't have a great winning, you know, record, uh, I got a ton of experience. And you know, having the amount of shots and workload I did there, I think only helped me. And I took that as a positive. You know, I, I definitely want to win. Bottom line, winning's everything to me. But you know, that year definitely helped me understand. Like, you know. I did my job and I had to be satisfied with that. But again, I was also extremely hard on myself saying that, you know, I could have done better in certain things. And I didn't have a full-time goalie coach until Alfie Michaud too. And so uh, I didn't have a full-time. I worked with Dave Rogalski. Uh, he was a Minnesota guy and he came once a month and he was a great too. So, you know, I've definitely had great mentors. And then um, I worked with Steve Thompson. He's with USA Hockey now in Alaska. So again, that helped me too. But yeah, so when I had the uh, opportunity to talk to Alfie and knew that he was going to be a full-time goalie coach for the first time, that was special to me. And I knew that that was going to be, you know, my first ever real goalie coach goalie relationship uh, throughout a season. And so that was exciting for me. 
And, you know, after that conversation we had just on Skype alone, uh, that, that changed me because he, he preached that, you know, he wasn't going to change me as a goalie. He was going to take me and just perfect certain things. You know, he wasn't going to say, oh, this is how I want you to play. This is what I want you to do. He was just going to, he knew I had, you know, skating abilities. He knew my strengths. I didn't know my strengths. You know, I just wanted to stop the puck. And he saw these things in me. And that was special to me. You know, it's like, how can you take this goalie that didn't have a great winning record and have this much trust and faith in him? And for him to take a chance on me and, and give me all these pointers and, and truly believe in me, that was big for me. And, and that goes for the whole main staff as well. And, uh, you know, again, when I, when I went on my visit, uh, everything was great. But the thing that, that brought me there the most was that not only did they want to improve me as a player, but they wanted to improve me as a person. And that was uh, a big thing for me because I knew that I needed to, to get some true maturity under my belt and, and doing that at the college level with, uh, you know, coaching staff like the University of Maine, that was, that was a good formula I wanted to have. It's, fu- it's funny. Dave Rogalski, another name that, uh, you know, worked with Charlie Lindgren, who is another guest on the podcast that right ahead of you guys. So um, from baseballs with Jake Allen in Alfie seeing that for the first time to you guys using that same pitching machine to the, all these different connections in the goalie world. Uh, it's funny, eh, Alfie? It, it is a small world, isn't it, buddy? I, sometimes you discover just how small when you're at a goalie symposium in a Nashville bar after after a day of learning about goalies too, eh? No question. No question. It's, it is a small world. It's a, it's a great, great world to be a part of, no question. And uh, I'm just thankful I'm part of the fraternity and I'm sure Sway is too. And, uh, you know, love every minute of it. No, no question. Well, we're going to have to save the Jan Stasny story for another day, Alfie, because I do want to catch up. Uh, that's the Nashville connection there. I do want to catch up a little yeah. bit on your career because I know there are some, there's some hella stories that, uh, that can be told throughout that career and your path starting in the NHL with the Canucks and then overseas and in the minors and all the different things you learned. I think we've learned from listening to you and Jeremy talk today about just how much knowledge you've soaked up over the years. So I'm going to hold you to another call one of these days and we're going to get you back on. I'd love to anytime. And Jeremy, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to following your career uh, as a pro as it it takes that next step. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person once we get out of all this crazy, uh, crazy time that we're all trying to stay safe in. But uh, you guys, I, I I can't thank you enough. We're close to an hour here. Um, It's been a great conversation. I've learned a ton and I'm looking forward to learning more the next time we get to catch up. Likewise. Thanks so much, Kev. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. That was fun. Really cool. And I wrote something down as I was listening. I listened to this interview twice. Uh, don't always do that, but listen to it twice before we uh, we put the show together because there was, uh, there was so much in it. And uh, two things. One, if you're a goaltender uh, playing in any league but the National Hockey League, you should listen to that interview. You should be exposed to that conversation between Alfie and Jeremy because there's so much there about uh, just growth as a person and as a goaltender, what you do, uh, how you process it, and uh, how you put it to work. And there's that goes with a lot of our, our interviews in that journey. The other one is there's a lot of little things in the conversation, and this is right underneath um, with my second point. The next time I play, I said, listen to this conversation again, because the, the little things about um, stepping back, 
when things get fast, like something like that. And if your knee is outside, like your your hips, that was that Alfie Michaud dropped that little bit of uh, reference, and I, I'd never heard that before. But just tactically and and uh, being in control, I thought there was some some in, little little gems in there that made for uh, for a really interesting conversation. Uh, what do you think, Hutch? I'm curious as you just talk about the knee outside the hip because we've been doing some. Uh, Adam Francilia workouts here and and Elfie and Adam would have crossed paths at Net360 in Kelowna and that is one of the teaching points for some of the work that we're doing here in the gym uh, the home gym that is uh, knee has to stay inside so um, interesting tie-in and maybe we'll get uh, Adam to give us a little comment on that because he's putting some content together for us as well right now I love the interview um, because of the differing personalities that were teaming up for such you know, a special season. And as a teacher, I love that, um, that Elfie mentioned the fact that he treats every athlete that he works with differently. Uh, so often we hear everybody has to be the same and we, we have to be fair and, but no, he, he understands that there's differing personalities at work. He treats them differently and teaches them differently and didn't just that image of the two of them on, on the bench together, on the ice together. Yeah. Uh, with those differing personalities, the fact that Alfie basically said he could never uh, play the way that that Swayman does, and Swayman is sort of verging on flurry, it sounds like, in his playfulness with the game as well, which I think is fantastic. So, so just a lot of fun that these two guys can combine for something so special. I would. Yeah, kudos to Hutch for the idea of talking to them both at the same time. I got to be honest with you when I uh, when I originally sort of approach the idea of combining the interview. I was a little bit nervous just because we hadn't done it before. I had no idea how it would go. Uh, but Hutch said, let's, you know, let's do it. Let's roll with it. So I did it. And it didn't take me long to realize just how special the relationship was between these two guys. And because of that, it, it made the interview easy. And just to sort of hear the development stages and the process from both sides of it, they, they've got enough of a relationship that they're on. They can they can have that conversation honestly with our audience um, and openly. And just I don't know. I, I was impressed with everything about it. it. To me, it was one of my favorite interviews that we've done, and we're what sixty seven into this thing right now. Um, sixty seven episodes, J- just because of the back and forth, because of the relationship and the sense you get of it. And because of the key development points that are sort of contained within it from both the goalie and the coaching standpoint, and I'm with you, Hutch, I quickly came away a Jeremy Swayman fan. I hadn't had a chance to see him play, didn't know a lot about him, uh, but I exited this interview going like, wow, I can't wait to see this kid in the NHL and get to see him at a rink, you know, coming through town with with the team because much like Flurry, just that the way he loves it and has fun and the picture we used in the post on Ingo Premium for the early preview of this article with Swayman winking at us, you know, winking at the camera behind the net was one that Alfie sent to me. He's like, this is, <laughs> this is the personality you got to see. This is, this photo sums it up perfectly. Well, and how, how good is Alfie that he can, that he can work with that? Because how many coaches in hockey would see a goaltender behaving that way and, and shut it down in a hurry? And I yeah, don't you got to focus, yeah, get I mean, your head in the game. Exactly. And I don't, I, all head coaches, of course, the goalie coaches out there are all brilliant. Um, but, but that is sort of the culture of hockey and, and he's lucky that he's been able to come up in the game with people that support that as, as was flurry. I'm sure it would be interesting to talk to some of his coaches when he was younger. And I the love- stick to of it and, uh, grinding through, uh, a real 
disappointing part of your career and you when you're in it in in the moment it's it's really scary and disappointing and and upsetting but the year before he was drafted the year before he played in that USHL uh club like he he was without a team and and he somehow managed to to figure it out find his route uh bond with a coach and 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 make it work and i thought that was a an incredible lesson lesson of uh of just rising above adversity. And a long way from home as he was doing it as mm-hmm. well. So uh, this, like I said, just there's a lot to like about the kid. I really enjoyed the interview, um, including the, I mean, I goalie coaches that won't go down and talk to their goalie in, in the intermissions of an NHL game. It, it varies from goalie to goalie and goalie coach to goalie coach. But for the most part, they don't do that, right? Like they don't, they don't want to get in the guy's head. Should they don't they? want them overthinking. I no, I, I'm not saying they should, but to hear that. No, no, they, I'm I'm saying I'm wondering should they? And it could, because as I was listening to this for the uh, for the second time, I I, I thought well, why are goalies treated differently than defensemen or forward who who get instant feedback and coaching and and uh, uh, why why can't goaltenders be be told mid game or between periods to to uh, to do something. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question. There are probably some that you know too much information they can get paralyzed by overthinking. Um, and and you know there's a lot of guys. Funny, I was just having this conversation with an NHL goalie coach today about you know how how he's backed off the technical in practices with his NHL guys because he finds them getting too locked up and losing that sort of you just go out and play mentality. And maybe there's a fear that if you give them too much instruction in a game or or you talk too much about what other teams are doing, they might start looking for it or cheating for it, or they might start thinking too much. So I understand it from both points, but listening to it from Swayman's point, or as he said, like, why wouldn't I want that information right. in the game? It's a no-brainer. Like, you know, obviously his coaches don't have to worry about, about locking him up with too much information. I would expect that those relationships and, and that, that back and forth will probably continue, and hopefully for his sake, they continue throughout his career. So it, it was just refreshing to hear that side of it. Maybe there's more that we haven't talked to that share that philosophy and and, and go about it that way. But I got to be honest, for the most part, I hear the opposite. Uh, where are we on the tennis ball machine or baseball uh, pitching machine? Do, does everybody have their order in? Uh, or, Hutches, order Hutches in and received. Already. Yeah, order in and received. <laughs> when, when, I forget, we were... Just sitting and talking, it must have been about your chat with Jake Allen about these things. And I'd mulled over a pitching machine, you know, in the dream world financially at one point. And then I heard it was uh, 79 Canadian, uh, two Starbucks coffees in the U.S., I think that is. Um, so I, I hit order because it's so easy to do that. And it arrived today in the mail, little little box, literally in the mailbox. And uh, set it up downstairs, got her rocking and rolling. And, and you know what? It's uh, it's pretty darn good. It's pretty darn good. I mean, it's uh, the balls are small, and you wouldn't think the velocity is super high until you stand in front of them, and it's hard to catch those balls as they're ripping at you from, I think we set it up 18 or 20 feet away, and um, it's it's going to be a great little tool to, to use here in the house during the, during the shutdown. Well, according to one of the reviews I saw, 18 feet is like 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I, I don't think that so. It's a little high? I, it, it, I, don't, I think that's high. And, and I think it's probably because it was originally created for uh, to be a baseball batting machine and the balls are a little smaller. They're sort of golf ball-ish sized. I think they probably are looking at that as the difficulty of hitting a 100 mile an hour pitch in baseball because it's the combo of the reaction time when you're closer, but also the ball's a lot smaller. So you got a smaller target to hit. 
Uh, I'm, I'm just taking a wild guess for, for where they came up with that. But, you know, but that said, uh, firing balls at a pretty darn little good little goaltender there, uh, he wasn't catching very many of them from 18 feet away. So. Do you wear your gloves? Uh, when you do it? You should. I think I, I think you should. We, we both uh, stood in front of the machine and both of us right away had balls going through where the pocket would have been on our glove. And uh, so. Yeah, I, sure. No. Yeah, yeah. You've got I'm the video. Sure. You've got the video. Pull it yeah, open. I've, I believe it for the kid, not for the dad. Yeah. Fair enough. I would have caught that for sure. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All I need is this webbing the size of a small <laughs> trout net. I didn't say I didn't say my hand was there in time. I just said I put it right where the webbing would have been. Uh, but the, to give you a couple other perspectives on why goalies like this machine and, you know, and in fairness, when Jake. What's Allen the name of the machine again? Uh, it's Skills Lightning Bolt Pitching Machine, and Skills is SKLZ. Make sure you check out ingolmag.com, Ingol Premium Members. We actually have an article that'll break down some of the ways these goalies are using it um, and talk to some of the goalies around the world that are using tennis ball machines. The reason guys like this, and, and to be fair, when I first talked to Jake Allen about it, and of course, now that you've heard the interview, that's where Alfie discovered it, um, you know, it it's got some curve to it. It can break. It can, the, the balls don't come out in a straight line every time. And so if you're looking for a reactive element, that uncertainty actually adds to that. Uh, is it perfect? No, I think that's what Jake said. But at a time when we're looking for different tools, uh, the advantages of this one, in addition to being smaller and cheaper, like tennis ball machines can run you up to 1500 bucks. Yeah. This is like under a hundred, well under a hundred. Um, and like I said, there'll be some links up for some, some buying options on the website. Uh, it also comes from the ground up. That's the other thing. It's a similar trajectory to a puck. It's not waist high, like a tennis ball machine. Uh, it's not shooting down on you. Like a lot of other baseball pitching machines that are you know designed to be up higher and create the sort of trajectory of a baseball. Um, this is, this is coming from the bottom up. So you sort of, some of your mechanics are at least, you know, in, in part, true to a you know what what you'd see on the ice with the shot coming from the ice and up at you so i like right. that idea hey and boys in the spirit of jeremy swayman let's not forget it's a lot of fun too yeah yes. you know you're allowed to have well, fun the, in goaltending the uh the idea of uh of sort of bonding and and developing some some chemistry with your teammates and you you heard that in that conversation yeah and it, it actually it, has an option to be powered with batteries so you, you you could take it to the rink and use it in the dressing room and no problem which is what they would obviously what they did. I, in the spirit of fun, I want to make sure that Little Hutch definitely has the camera rolling the first time he turns that thing on you and gets you with a nut shot. <laughs> Absolutely. Front page, in goal mag, down goes Hutch. Make sure you wear your bulletproof cup, Hutch. Maybe we'll put a cup on Maddie and test it. Not me. Can, would it hurt though? If uh, not, not. I mean the uh, the groin area. But uh, if you took one not off the really. shoulder, or, no. no. Well, no, okay. you, I'm no. You can feel they're it. Foam. The, you can feel it. Uh, they're they're hardish foam. Um, you can feel it. I wouldn't say it stings, but you can feel it pretty good in the hand. Oh, okay. there's no question. It'd be two to three weeks upper body injury for me. Guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, I've uh, blown my knee, boys. I'll never be skating again. Back He's on the back ice in two days. days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that link is on uh, ingolmag.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, sign up for it. Uh, everybody, it's the, the one of those things that uh, has come out of this, uh, this pause is uh, the use of these machines uh, by goaltenders off the ice. Uh, one other thing that we want to get to uh, coming up on Sunday is this webinar. 
involving Carey Price and Eli Wilson and the details. So one more time, how people can get involved. And let's start way back. You're not an Ingle Premium member. You just love the podcast. You're listening. You want to be part of the webinar with Carey Price on Sunday. Uh, Hutch, take us through the journey and what has to happen. Perfect. If you're not an Ingle Premium member, uh, one thing I really would like all people who haven't joined to know is that you can go to ingolmag.com today. The site is open for everybody to see. You'll see every single article that's available on the site. And some of them are open. Our podcasts are there for anybody to go and listen to on the site. All our equipment reviews are available for anybody to watch on the site. You don't need to be a member. Uh, but if you do want to take that extra step and be a member and get access to that close to 120 pages now of, of exclusive content, most of it with NHL goaltenders and their coaches, uh, there's going to be a link right at ingoldmag.com and you can sign up or any article if you click on it and you don't have access. There's a link at the bottom. We, we make it very easy. We would love to have you in our membership. And uh, so you head over there. One of the top posts will be a beautiful picture of Carey Price and just click on that and you will be able to sign up for the webinar if you're an Ingold member. You just log into the site. There's going to be a little button. You click it. Dead simple. You have to be, uh, you have to have a Zoom account. And the reason that we're doing that, we're doing a Zoom webinar, uh, is one, we want you to be able to reserve your spot. We don't want people having to line up online for those 500 places. You can just reserve it. Once that happens, you'll have your own link to get into the webinar on Sunday. So I think that's really important to know. And second, there's been a little bit of stuff in the news about Zoom. It's getting a bit of a bad rap as one of these platforms because people were doing what's called Zoom bombing, coming in, taking over uh, school meetings, office meetings, and so on. But just so everybody knows, uh, we're paying for a higher tier of Zoom so that none of that really is an issue at all. Um, we're in control of who's able to speak and who's able to be seen. So no worries about security or anything. The Zoom account is free so that you can uh, check out the webinar. So um, a whole lot of talk to say it's simple. Go to InGoal, click on a link, sign up for the webinar. Love to see you on Sunday. But only 500 spots. Only 500 spots. So even okay. if you're a member, I can't guarantee you're in. Um, but uh, obviously, we hope you all can get get there. Awesome. And uh, we will chat with you guys uh, then. And we will also uh, look forward to uh, next week's podcast. Uh, just uh, zooming along here on the uh, InGoal radio podcast uh, during this pause. It's It's been, there's been a lot that uh, that has been tragic about what we've gone through, a lot that's been uh, uncomfortable and inconvenient, but uh, goaltenders and the access to them has been, has been relatively uh, beautiful in the sense that, uh, that they've been open and available to us. So uh, good work on, on, on the two of you and, uh, and Woody, nice to see you back uh, dealing with a two-on-one with true professionalism today. And as usual, anytime I face a two-on-one, the other guys score. So the good news is the readers benefited from this one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll celebrate uh, Alfie Michaud, who has uh, had his own journeys uh, in the uh, in the world of goaltending and, uh, and also now puts uh, a guy into the uh, professional ranks in Jeremy Swayman. Uh, thanks to the two of them. And look forward to chatting with you on uh, Sunday on the webinar and next week on the podcast on Ingle Radio, the podcast. And make sure you join Carrie Price, Eli Wilson on the webinar on Sunday, May the 3rd at 1 o'clock Pacific time.